Good morning, Pathway. I am so excited to speak to you this morning. Um, God has been showing me a lot in the past several months, and I'm excited to share what he's been showing me. But before we do that, I'm going to do this in all the services this weekend. But I want to give a huge shout out to our Pathway Kids Dream Team. They are, and I just have to because I know that past um, couple of services, things have gone so smoothly. I just, I love this team. They bless me each weekend. They take ownership of our kids' ministry here. They see the importance of it. They dedicate their time each weekend to your kids, our kids, my kids. They dedicate that time, and we see kids make eternal decisions on weekends at Pathway, and we see kids take their next steps in Christ and leave church every weekend forever changed, and it's because of that amazing team. So I just want to give a shout out to them because I love them so much, and I really appreciate them running the show back there so I can be in here with you guys this morning. And also, we do have Super Summer Nights, if you heard in our announcements this morning. It is not Vacation Bible School. (laughs) It is Super Summer Nights here, Um, two and a half hours for three nights where we have games and skits and Bible stories and just so much fun. And this year, it is focused on grace. Is focused on being saved by grace and how we can live grace, give grace, and most of all, receive grace. So if you have not registered your kids or your grandkids or whoever it may be for that event, um, you can actually register this morning at our check-in desk in the Pathway Kids hallway, or you can go online and register your kids for this event. They do not want to miss this amazing event. We're going to have snow cones and Chick-fil-A. It's going to be awesome. So there's a lot of fun things going on behind the scenes to prepare for this event. Well, um, I titled my message this morning, Beauty for Ashes, and you'll hear more as I go through my story and what God has shown me. You'll understand more why I titled it that. But um, I really want to talk to you today about our perspective of God, how we view God. And you may think, okay, that's easy for you to say. You work at a church. You work at a church. You work in the kids' ministry. That's easy for you to say. Well, this is actually an area in my life that I've really struggled with just through situations, traumatic situations that have happened in our lives in about the past seven years and even things that have happened in the past year. Um, it's, it's been really, it's been something I've struggled with. I've struggled with it so much to the point of I was talking to, um, I'm in the Townsend Leadership Program, and I was talking to my coach one day on the phone, and I was just like, I don't understand why life keeps throwing us curveballs. I mean, I just don't get it. I'm like, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this? I just want to breathe for a little bit, be like in a little oasis for just a little bit, and My coach said to me, she goes, you know what, Jessica? She said, you don't even sound like you're a Christian right now. (laughs) You know, take a moment and listen to what you're saying right now. And of course, that hit me hard (laughs) when she said that. 
And then a couple of days later, I was standing in my kitchen, just really struggling with the same thing again. Just, God, where are you? Where are you? It just seems chaos. Like, I cannot breathe. Like, we can't get our heads above the water. And I heard God say, your view of me is distorted. It's shattered. And that hit me hard, like a ton of bricks. And he was right. My view of him was completely distorted. It was completely shattered. I was angry at God because of situations that had gone on in our lives, because of things that were happening to our family and our friends that I did not understand, that I, of course, thought I could control and I didn't have control of. But it did cause me to think in that moment, you know what? My view of him is distorted. I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like he wasn't there. And if you've heard my story before, I've shared a lot about inner vows and judgments and judgments and inner vows that I have made in my own life. And I'll just take a little bit of time to explain that. Um, A judgment is when we make a negative decision about a person or thing. And that judgment affects our and limits our decisions. It limits our perceptions. It impairs us from seeing God, from seeing the things in our lives the way God sees them, from seeing ourselves the way God sees us. It impairs us from seeing who God really is. And so when we make that judgment, we build up and we make, create an inner vow. And we create this inner vow to comfort ourselves, to protect ourselves, to ultimately try to control the situation on our own, to try to fix things on our own. It's a self-directed promise where walls are built up. And so, for instance, everyone that I'm close to eventually rejects me. I will, so therefore, you make an inner vow. I will not allow anyone to get close to me. I will reject them before they reject me. That's a serious one I've made before. I've, you know, over the years I've had, I've lost friends, lost friendships, you know, relationships, things like that. And I eventually, through loss, would build up these walls and this inner vow. And so if somebody got close to me and I saw that we weren't as close anymore, I would like pull the plug on the relationship before they did. So I would reject them before they rejected me. And I've learned over and over again is we need people and we need relationships. And we need connection. And so when we make an inner vow, a stronghold is formed. So a door has been opened for Satan to work through. And he's got a hook in the way that we react and connect to others and the way we react and connect to God. And so as I've said, I've made dangerous inner vows in the past. I've made them against church because of church hurt that I had had, spiritual abuse I had had. I've made them against others. But I realized that day in the kitchen, I had made an inner vow against God. And 
I, what I had done is I had made a judgment that God had abandoned me, that he had left me. So then I formed an inner, inner vow that I'm not going to open my heart to him. And I'm going to take control of this and I'm going to fix this on my own. My view of God had been completely shattered. But I, what I love is just like that day in the kitchen, God was pursuing me. He was chasing after me. I was running as far as I could. I was angry. I was mad. I felt abandoned, but he never gave up. He never gave up and he chased after me and he spoke to me and he showed me things because you see, God is always working and he's always pursuing you and I and he never gives up and he relentlessly pursues us. So I want to share with you this morning in that moment and um, that moment in the kitchen, I, I repented and I was like, God, I have, I have made a judgment against you. I've made an inner vow. I am sorry. I'm sorry. And you know, I want to see things the way you see them, God. So I really feel like God has taken me on this journey in the past year where I have, he's shown me things and shown me things even from my past and how he's worked and how he's worked to restore and repair our relationship. And so I want to share those things with you this morning because they're not just for me. They're not just for me. And so the first one is God is good. He is good. In Psalm 34, 7 through 10, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps those encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He is good. Fullness only comes from God. It only comes from him. God is good and God does good. We, do, we live in a fallen world, but God is good and he does good. His goodness was evident since the beginning of time, since creation. His goodness was evident. When we read in the first chapter of Genesis, we see that God spoke and he said, let us make human beings in our image, re make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible, so that we can have dominion over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that comes on the face of the earth. God created human beings. God created you and I, and he created them God-like reflecting God's nature. So when God created you and I, he created us in his image. He created us God-like to reflect his nature. 
That's one of the things we've been talking about in Pathway Kids for the past month. We've been talking about our uniqueness and how we've all been made unique. And what we tell the kids is your creativity, your imagination, your ability, the strength you have, the compassion you have, it comes from God because you are godlike and you are made in his image and you are to reflect his nature in this world. We are all designed to do that. And he gives us those tools and that uniqueness so that we can change the world, so that we can bring heaven to earth. And so then it goes on to say that God blessed them and he said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. So does God want us to be prosperous? Does God want us to have families and be blessed and have connection and relationship? He wants all of those things. And he's given us dominion over the earth. And he says, be responsible for every fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on the earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree. And then, um, sorry, I lost my place. And then to all the animals and the birds and everything that moves and breathes, I will give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. And I want you to listen to this next part. God looked over everything he made, everything he made, And it was good, so very good. Not just a little good, not just good. It was so very good. So when God looks at you and I, when he looks at his sons and daughters, he doesn't just see us as good. He sees us as so very good. And if we can anchor our identity in that, if we can place our identity in the way that God sees us and how he sees us as powerful and strong and blessed and prosperous and so good, so very good, our view forever changes. Our eyes forever change. Our view of reality forever changes. Our view of God and ourselves changes. God is good. He is so very good. And when he looks at us, he sees us as so very good. God is completely and perfectly good. He is abounding in goodness and truth. You know, we know that God is infinite. And so he is infinitely good. All of his attributes flow from his goodness. So his goodness has no limits, no limits. He is immutable. He never changes. So guess what? His goodness never changes. And God is just. So his goodness is impartial. It's not just for one person. It's not just for a group of people. His goodness is for all of us. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've ran away from God, his goodness is there and it's for you and I. And God follows us. God's goodness follows us. It says in Psalms 23, 6, 
Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, that day in the kitchen, God was chasing after me. He was following me. He was relentlessly pursuing me. God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't think we're too far gone. He does not. And he loves us and he chases us and he's working to repair and restore our relationship with him because God can't bear for walls to be built up between him and us. He can't bear to be without his sons and daughters. So he is working and we may not see it, but God is at work. He is at work right now in your life and he is working to restore and repair your relationship with him. No one is too broken. No one is too far that they cannot come and come back and live the way that God designed them to live. He has one. God's goodness sought after us, and that's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent Christ for us. He seeks us, so he sent his son. He sent his son, Jesus, and God never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. Christ was forsaken on the cross. Christ was punished for our sin on the cross. He sent Christ so that we could be reconnected back to the Father so that man would not fall from his goodness. God is continuing to fight for us. He is continuing to fight for our relationship. And when God looks at us, it says in Zephaniah 3.17, he is a mighty warrior who saves. He delights in us and he rejoices over us with singing. So think about all those things. God looks at us and he sees us as so good, so very good. And he sees us as sons and daughters. And he has a plan for us, even when we feel like we've missed the mark. It's there. His blueprint and his design is there for us. And when he looks at us, he delights in us. And he rejoices over us. He is good. He is a good God. The next thing is, is God is with me. He showed me that he is with me. He is with us. He is with you and I. You see, I'd felt abandoned. I'd felt alone. I was just crippled with the loneliness and abandonment that I felt. But abandonment is a lie from the enemy. It is a lie from the enemy It is what he tries to do to us to make us feel alone. He tries to steal from what God has designed for us and what God has planned for us. In Isaiah 43, it says, but now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, do not be afraid. I am redeemed you. I've called you by name. He's called each one of us by name. You are mine. When you are in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you are in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be dead end. 
And then he says, because I am God. I am God, your personal God. Think about that word personal. He knows each one of us by name and he says we are his. And he says we are his and that he is our God, our personal God. God is relational. God wants relationship. And he said, I paid a huge price for you, a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich cush and Sabah thrown in, that's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. And this is my favorite part. I'd sell the whole world to get you back. Trade creation just for you. Abandonment is a lie. Because he said he's called us. He's called us by name. We are his. And look, and look at all the things he would give up. And the one thing we know that he sent, that he gave up, was Jesus for you and I. After that moment in the kitchen, God began to show me. He started just, you know, over the next several months, showing me all the ways that he had been with me in my life. And um, I was driving back from um, my Townsend TLP group in Dallas, and I was driving down the interstate, and I was listening to Pandora, and I was singing at the top of my lungs, and I was singing, uh, what a beautiful name, and I did not sound as good as our worship team, let me tell you. So um, anyways, I probably looked like a crazy person because I had tears streaming down my face and just uh, singing at the top of my lungs. But um, God showed me, um, as I was worshiping him, he showed me this. I'd had a lot of breakthrough earlier that day when I was um, with my um, TLP group, a lot of things that we had processed, and I'd had a lot of breakthrough that day. And um, I love how God just doesn't stop. He just keeps continuing to show us things. And uh, so we were, I was heading home, crying, singing, <laughs> doing all those things. And he showed me this image. And um, if you haven't heard part of my story, a few years ago, my parents and my son were involved in a car accident and a drunk driver crossed over several lanes and hit them head on. And um, we spent a few days in the hospital and my mom did not make it out of the hospital. And um, my mom was my, my best friend. I mean, we did everything together. Um, I was her little girl, <laughs> you know, her only child. Um, we just, we did everything together. And so when she passed away, it was, of course, a shock. But I felt like my whole world had been upside down, turned upside down. And I felt alone. And I felt abandoned. And wondering why this had happened, wondering why this had happened to us. And um, on the way back from Dallas that day, God showed me an image. And he showed me an image of me standing in one of the hallways of the hospital and I had my head down, and I'm, I'm crying, I'm sobbing tears. And he showed me an image of him right there beside me with his arm wrapped around my shoulder. And every tear 
that I shed, he shed. Every time I wept, he wept. So if you don't hear anything this morning, hear this. He is a good God. Abandonment and loneliness is a lie. And God is with us. God is with us. That feeling of loneliness and rejection that we have, it steals. It is a thief. It is a lie from the enemy. And rejection and abandonment and loneliness, what it does, it works to highlight the worst that's ever been done to us, the worst that's ever been said to us. But the truth is, is that God is with us. And God loves us. And like he said in that scripture, I will be with you in the rough waters. I will be there. I will be with you. When you are in rough waters, when you feel like you've strayed too far from God, he is there. He is relentlessly pursuing you. He is chasing after you. He does not give up on us. And he does not give up on his design and plan for us. You see, I went through a period in um, college where I was, I'd had spiritual abuse, church hurt, and I was done with church. I was done with church people. I didn't care what had been spoken over me. I'd had several um, words spoken over me that I was to be in full-time ministry. <laughs> Here I am today. But see, God doesn't give up on us. <laughs> um, but um, so... I had ran as far as I could. And I had a moment, it was really when Pathway started. (laughs) Um, I was ready to come back. I was ready to come back to God. But you see, I felt like I'd missed my mark. I thought I'd missed my calling. I thought I'd missed my purpose. I thought it was too late. It was too late to come back that the life that I was living, it'd just be the same, just live this ordinary life. But that's not who God is, not who God is. And when I came back, my calling and purpose were still there because he knows, he knows what he has in store for us. And it, he doesn't give up on us. He, and I, now I can see all the ways that he was working in my life, all the doors that he closed, all the relationships he saved me from, all of the opportunities that just weren't right for me. I see that God was working to restore and repair our relationship. It's not too late to come home and live the life that God has designed you to live. It says in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew on morning's wings to the western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there, you're waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. And at night, I am immersed by light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. God is chasing after us and he is with us. 
and he wants relationship with you and I. Relationship has been evident since creation. When man fell, God, he couldn't let that just be it. He didn't stop there because God couldn't bear the thought of being away from you and I. He wants relationship and that's why he sent his son. So man could not fall from his goodness. He chose us. He adopted us, his sons and daughters. It's his goodness that allows us to choose. We're created in his image and God has, uh, he has created a bride. He's created a bride, not a machine, not a robot that has to choose him. He's created a bride that chooses him, that chooses him. We are his bride. He has adopted us. He has chosen you and I, and he wants us to choose him. He wants a relationship with you and I. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So another thing that um, God had shown me, like I said, he's shown me several things of how he's been with me in my life. But um, there was, when we were in the hospital, when my mom was there for a few days, um, we had several people come, so many of our church family come and pray with us and um, sit with us and just be there for us. And if I just want to make everybody, I want everybody to know you can't do life alone. You cannot do life alone. And when you are going through rough times, through those rough waters, not only do you need God, you need people. You need your family. You need your life group. We need connection. God designed us for connection. He designed us for relationship. And so I'm so thankful for our church family and friends that surrounded us um, when we were in the hospital going through that really tough time and who are still, who still check on us, who still check on us. And it's even been a few years. They still check on us to see how we're doing. But there was a passage um, from the Bible that several people kept giving us through um, the time we were there. And even after, um, a few weeks after, I kept, people just kept saying, I just keep hearing Psalm 91, Psalm 91, Psalm 91. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I could see that, you know, I, I get it, but I couldn't grasp what God was trying to show me. And I really didn't grasp it until a few months ago. We were uh, sitting in a Sapphire leadership meeting and Pastor Julie was going over um, all the things that, you know, she, the direction that she thought we should go with Sapphire this year and all the things that God had been showing her through the book of Ephesians. And man, what she's been sharing in our Radiant Warrior meetings has been amazing. It's been life-changing. And so she was sharing all those things and we're talking about the bride of Christ and adoption and um, we're sons and daughters and we're royalty and all of those things. And then um, the passage Psalm 91 got brought up again. And I'm like, gosh, there it is again. And we started talking about it and I had this moment and I started crying and I thought Psalm 91 was for me. 
that passage was what God wanted to give me in that moment. It was for me. You see, God knew that I was going to need a place to rest, that I was going to need a place to go to, to find hope, because my whole world had been turned upside down, and I felt like I couldn't breathe. So we sent Psalm 91, and I'll just read part of this passage, but it says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. God knew I was going to need rest. In the shadow of the Almighty, our Almighty God, all-powerful God. You see, with Him is where I can breathe, where I can find comfort. And I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. So my refuge, my protection, my shelter, where I put my trust in. Because he knew that I had lost hope. And he was there to give me hope, to give me rest. And then it goes on to say, he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. I was in despair. I was in fear. But what God was telling me was to come rest. Come rest under his wings. Come rest to where there is protection, where I can find comfort, where I can find hope. Where he is, I find hope. Where he is, I find trust. Where he is, I find protection. So God was showing me, you're going to need me. You're going to need me, and I'm there. I've been there, and I've already gone before, and I know what's ahead, and I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be with you in this. No matter what you're experiencing today, or no matter what you've experienced, God is with you. And he promises that he'll be with you. We live in a dark world. We live in a world of sin. But God is good. And God is with us through those rough times and those rough situations. And God will send people and he will send situations because he is good. And God, when we weep, He weeps for us and he gives us that rest and he breathes life into us. The next thing is, is God wants the absolute best for me. God wants the absolute best for you and I. In Proverbs 4, 11 through 12, it says, I'll instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along the straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. And then it also says in, three, in chapter 3, verse 26, for the Lord will be by your side and will keep your foot from being snared. God wants to remove anything that limits or confines you. 
because God does not want you to settle for second best. We are sons and daughters of a king. We are royalty, and he has the absolute best for you and I. There, um, there was, oh gosh, it was in 2011. I taught school for eight years, and then um, I was looking to make a change. Um, I was looking to move to a different school district to where it would be closer to home and where I thought I might want to take my kids, um, put my kids in school. And so I went on this job interview and it couldn't have gone better. I mean, it was perfect, clicked with the team, clicked with the principal, could not have been more perfect. Um, I you know, heard a few days after that several people like on that team really wanted me. I was their top pick. And so I thought, wow, this is going to be a great transition. It's all going to work out. Well, it was during the time where we had budget cuts, which seems like we're going to do that again, but um, it was a really difficult time in the public school system. We were going through a really big round of budget cuts, and they were kind of um, letting go a lot of people and doing all these things, and so um, go on this job interview, thinking it goes great. And then a couple of days later, I get a phone call and it was like, hey, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, you were in the top two and we gave the job to someone else that did not have a job because I was still working at a, another school district. You know, it was the end of the school year. I was thought I might transition for the next. And so they said, we're going to give it to someone else that does not have a job and everything. And so I was really frustrated because I was wanting a change for one thing, wanting to be closer to our house, wanting to go into a school district um, where I thought my kids could go. And I, I thought, man, this seemed perfect, God. This seemed perfect opportunity. It looked like everything was falling together. And then, oh, no, guess it wasn't for me. Well, a few months later, our... We, um, in November of 2011, our home burned. And we, um, we lost our home. We had to rebuild. It was um, only a home that was only a couple of years old. Um, it was our dream home. And we lost our home. And I remember in those moments, um, I can remember standing at the, we live on land, and I was standing at the fence and flames were just shooting out of the house. And I'm watching the firefighters and I'm watching people pulling stuff out of our house. And I remember standing at the fence looking at this and I remember God saying, it is well, it is well. And that song over and over again played in my head that day. And I watched all these people from our community and our church surround us and take care of us and watch family members, you know, just love on us. And, you know, people donated things and just, you know, walked up to us and just gave us things. And um, it was a tough situation, an awful situation. But I never blamed God. As bad as it was, I never blamed God. There were a couple of times I thought I had done something wrong, you know, that, you know, we had done something wrong. There was a couple of times I did question that, but I never blamed God because the next year I watched our lives become beauty out of ashes. 
I watched our marriage just take off and be strengthened. I watched God transition me out of teaching school and going into full-time ministry in that next year. That job wasn't for me. It was not the best for me. God closed that door because he knew what was best and he knew what was ahead and he knew what was gonna take place. And I watched our lives just unfold that year. And I watched how, yes, our home had burned and it was a traumatic, awful situation, but I watched how God made something beautiful out of it. How he made beauty out of the ashes in our life. God doesn't want you to settle for less. God has far more than we could ever imagine or experience. It says in Deuteronomy 28, 13, it says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and not the bottom. So as sons and daughters, we are the head and not the tail. We are the top and not the bottom. We are sons and daughters. And today, if you feel like you've been brushed aside, if you feel like you've been set aside, I want you to hear this. You are not set aside, you are set apart. You are a son and a daughter of a king, and he has called you to do great things things, great things in this world and great things for him. You are not set aside. You are set apart. And I have realized that I've had an encounter with God. And I hope you get to have an encounter with God. You may already have, but my whole perspective changed and my whole view of him has changed. I had an encounter with God that day in the kitchen because God wasn't giving up on me. He was relentlessly pursuing me. He was working to restore and repair. And I had an encounter with him that day that has forever changed my life. I am seeing him with a complete new set of eyes. My view is forever changed. God is good. God is with you. And God wants the absolute best for you.